Human resources, employee relations, the legal department are aligned against you. Your employer has trained for this day, the day you've become an expendable number at work. There are robust laws that may protect you, but unlike the company, you've not been drilled on how to wield them. You're playing catch-up. There are pitfalls to avoid and countermeasures to deploy that may save your job or put you in the best position to negotiate a favorable settlement. Minutes matter. Your words and actions matter even more. The Walking Papers podcast offers the first foray into learning how to turn the tables when you've been targeted at work. Knowledge is power. Let's get started. Welcome to Episode 1 of the Walking Papers Podcast, where we aim to combat employment discrimination, retaliation, and harassment. I'm Robert Ingalls, and I am here today with attorney Josh Van Campen. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing great. All right, perfect. So let's jump right into it. This is Episode 1. Tell us why you decided to start this podcast. Yeah, I mean, that, that actually relates to... Uh why I decided to become a plaintiff-side employment lawyer. So back in Chicago, I, I worked for what was considered the Darth Vader of defense firms. <laughs> and in a city that was very acrimonious in terms of how the bar practiced to begin with. And um, I should have known that I wasn't going to fit in there when the managing partner explained that he needed to cut my arm off and replace it with a mechanical arm <laughs> and call him daddy. But nonetheless, I stuck it out there for six years. And in the course of that time, I realized that employees were not, were not well represented by the plaintiff's bar for the most part. And also that there were some really fatal mistakes and lost opportunities that, that employees had before they were terminated. That if they just had received some practical advice while it was going on, it really could have tipped the scales uh, in a good way for them, you know, down the line in litigation. So in this podcast, this is not for lawyers. Uh, lawyers can stop listening. This is <laughs> this is for the person who's under the gun at work. They feel like they're being targeted and managed out. And with so many questions that I hope this podcast will be helpful in answering. Right on. So when you first started practicing, did you envision that you may one day practice on plaintiff's side? Like, what was the long-term vision? Yeah, I, pr- I pretty much knew that from the beginning. I knew when I was feeling guilty as I was having cases dismissed or, or unions defeated that it wasn't for me. And my, my Ivy League neighbors were literally jumping in the hallway when they beat back in a, you know, an employee side case. And so it was a deal where I, I, w- I would stomach it as long as I could, get trained up you know, by one of the best firms in the country, and then turn it to uh, good use from the dark side to the, to the good side. Nice. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is responsible for that? I would call it maybe a gap in representation that the plaintiff side sees. I don't know. You know, there, there are obviously some, some really good, really good employment lawyers in town, for example, here in Charlotte, but there aren't enough of them. And so there are a lot of good cases that go without, without any representation at all. And so what we try to bring to the table at my firm is, is a large firm sophistication and, and savvy to everyday people who are on the wrong side of something bad that happened at work. All right. To break into the episode, uh, when you sent me the early writings about it, the title of this episode made me chuckle. I'll let you explain it. So it's uh, Tales from the Crypt, which is a show dating back to you know my childhood <laughs> yeah, that... in the late 80s, early 90s when I graduated high school. And really what, what, uh, what it has to do with is the fact that there's some serious mistakes that have been made in unsuccessful employment cases 
And so we're going to excavate some of these dead bodies, so to speak, and try to try to prevent that from happening. The people that are listening uh, to this podcast. Very good. And that uh, show scared me quite a bit. I think I was like eight years old when it came out and we would stay up after my parents went to bed and it terrified me. Right. So that brought back a lot when I saw that. Mm -hmm. So I know that every client that comes in has a unique story. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen made? Because earlier you said, if people had talked to me first, if they Mm -hmm. had an opportunity before things happen, what are some of those common mistakes you've seen? I think it all really, it's basically like a psychology lesson and it has to do with people's decision makings and their mindset while they're under the gun and being targeted at work. And one of the things is, is denial. So, you know, you always want to see the best in people, the best in your manager, the best in your company. And there will inevitably come a time in your career where, where that is not the case and you become a number and where you become a target. And I, I think a lot of people are slow to pick up on that. And, you know, they come into my office and, you know, if I were a doctor, it would be like somebody coming in with leprosy with an arm and half a leg falling off. (laughs) And I would be like, why are you coming? Didn't you notice that your leg fell off or your arm fell off? It's a little late now. Right. And it's not, it it might not be too late. But the notion is, I think that denial can result in in people incurring some injuries to their their future case that are hard to overcome. Sure. Um, So, you know, it's denial. And then also pride, you know, especially here in the South, I've had folks come in and with good cases and say, well, I just never thought I'd need to come to a lawyer. <laughs> you know, as if we practice some sort of dark arts, <laughs> you know, uh, voodoo dolls yeah. or, you know, things like that, that they, you know, they, they should feel dirty about coming to the office. When, right. There is a certain stereotype. Uh, oh, sure. I think you're doing well to overcome it, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think, I think people are, uh, are, are enjoy working with our attorneys because we're you know, just regular people, you know, trying to, trying to help people in the community or in a bad, in a bad spot. But, uh, that, that, I think that pride can get in the way and then procrastination. I mean, unfortunately the, the federal laws that, that, you know, uh, pertain to, uh, employment situations have a 180 day statute of limitations period, which is really short. So there is no hitting the snooze button when it comes to having a successful employment case. And then finally is, um, I think sometimes we have we have people who just wait and it gets so bad at work before they come and talk to a lawyer and they've effectively uh, snapped. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have a client coming in and saying that that they ate their supervisor's face and had it with a can of fava beans and a, key, and a bottle of Chianti. You know, that that never really happened, <laughs> but it probably will at some point in my career. But um, that'll be its own episode. But that's the sort of thing that happens too. I, you know, it's just that don't wait until you're at your breaking point. Go to a yoga class, then come and see, see me or another employment lawyer. Right. Get yeah. your meditation on, relax. Right. So if an employee is having some concerns, what are some of the things or some of the lost opportunities that they could be doing to better their position? Right. When an employee gets terminated, it is not an exaggeration to stay, say that they're essentially goose-stepped out of the office, you know, as if there's some sort of convicted felon. There's, there's no opportunity to gather your belongings. There's no opportunities to print anything, save anything. You're terminated, and you're oftentimes escorted out, like I said, and almost like a perp walk. And your computer knows you're terminated before you do. And so your access and things like that are all cut off once the decision is made to terminate. And in that computer is a treasure, potential treasure trove of information and evidence that could be helpful to your, 
to your case. And I think people have the incorrect perception that you hire a lawyer and then a lawyer can write a letter and say, company, will you please turn over these emails and these documents? And, uh, and we don't have that. I mean, you have to file a lawsuit and have the ability to send over document requests or subpoenas to get records. And this can be 18 months after somebody's been fired. So you have an opportunity as a current employee to harvest evidence we won't get to for 18 months after you've been fired. So, you know, it's important to take advantage of that opportunity. Are these the kind of things that a case could turn on? Oh, sure. I mean, to me, as good a lawyer as you, you're going to hire, even if you hire the best, cases are often won or lost on the documents, you know, the documents that are used in depositions to maneuver witnesses, for example. And the sooner we have documents, uh, as your lawyer, the better. So, for example, it's not uncommon for documents after the fact to be destroyed or even altered. And when we have documents that were contemporaneous from when everything was going down, and all of a sudden those documents have disappeared after a lawsuit's been filed, you know, that, that can turn the tables on, on uh, who's going to win and who's going to lose. Sure. So in going about gathering these documents, I'm sure that someone would be thinking, okay, A, how do I go about getting them in general? But then the second concern I think might be, where is the line? Like, what? Right. how do I not get in trouble for gathering potential evidence that I want to perhaps use against my employer later? Well, first of all, in North Carolina, you have, you have the right to request a copy of your personnel file if you're a current employee. And that is something that an employee should definitely do because it certainly happened before in my cases where personnel files have memos added after the fact um, or even write-ups that are added after the fact. And if we just had an image of what the personnel file looked like during the employment, we could catch them in that, that stacking of that personnel file. So, you know, my advice is always to get a copy of your personnel file. And listen, it's a little weird, <laughs> you know, for somebody to go to HR and say, hey, can I get a copy of my personnel file? But don't worry about weirdness, you know, worry sure. about protecting yourself. Now, is there any reasonable expl explanation for that? Well, sure, you could you could make it that you're interested in what sort of benefits elect benefit elections you have, and just say while you're at it, you just wanted to review review it in its entirety. And then, if they don't give you a copy, take pictures of the personnel file with your phone. I mean, I've got a case right now, literally, where an employee uh, did that, a client of mine, and then I was sent the personnel file by the opposing counsel, and it had a bunch of trash in it that was not in the file two weeks before. You know, that's uh, blockbuster evidence for yeah, us. Yeah, that's something you want the jury to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So if I'm gathering that information, where is a good place to save it? Because my gut tells me I probably don't want to save it on my work computer. Yeah, and, and that becomes, uh, it's a difficult judgment call of what can you permissibly gain access to and save or print. And you want to make sure that you don't get over your skis and, and building evidence. So, for example, don't gain access to documents or reports that you're not supposed to have. But anything that you do have the ability, I mean, just in the normal course of business to have access to, that pertains to your employment, for example, a sales report, and that may have information on the sales productivity of your peers. That's something that you have in the normal course of business. The question is how to, how to transport that in a way that minimizes any liability you might have. So one is uh, you can assume now that forensically your computer is going to be examined after you've been terminated. And so emailing 
documents to your private email from your work email is uh, not a, not a good way to do it. So it's so easy to be tracked. So uh, some alternatives to that might be, for example, if you have a Dropbox online cloud file, the ability to just save onto the cloud, for example, by printing, and then you have options when you print to save as or put it here, put it there, would be one way. Another, another option is um, your phone. Just taking pictures of documents is completely untraceable if it's on your, your private phone. But all along that, we, we want to respect the company's right to confidential information and that sort of thing. So once information is transported, we want to be careful with it and guard it. So, you know, I would recommend if it's safe somewhere in the cloud that, for example, that it's password protected. Or same thing with the photos that you put it in a file, again, that's password protected. So push comes to shove later, the company finds out about these things and you're able to show that you were a responsible custodian for that information and that the company wasn't damaged by your possession of it, you help guard your flank. Sure. And it sounded like you said they have a record of all of your emails and your actions on your computers and things like that. Has that, has that ever come up to bite you in the middle of a case before? I've, uh, I've had counterclaims filed against clients for you know having this report or that report, but the overwhelming majority of these cases settle and, and those counterclaims are just kind of little peanuts on the other side of the scale, you know, as you're negotiating. So we don't get all bent out of shape about counterclaims like that, especially if we've closely or our clients have closely guarded the the information. Sure. And and the first thing I thought of was just all of the ridiculous Skype conversations I had on work computers in my 20s that I'm glad were never read in court. <laughs> all right. And, and they're also going to look at your internet history, right? So uh, yeah. do I need to say that? Uh, <laughs> Message. <laughs> what other ways would you recommend going about gathering information? Well, another resource is um, your peers. So a lot of times the way that you prove discrimination is by, by showing that you've been subjected to a double standard or a higher performance standard. So if you just have innocuous conversations with your peers about whether or not they hit their sales numbers, for example, or they put on, you know, did you get put on a performance improvement plan last month? I know you had a rough month, I did too. Those are great data points that you can provide your attorney later. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to gain access to that information, like I said, without deposing these people 18 months from then. And then you want to take contemporaneous notes of those conversations and on contemporaneous notes. So James Comey, the former FBI director, knew a thing or two. <laughs> and that's what he did with President Trump. He wasn't going to record the president, right? But he went home and he wrote memos to file. And those are admissible in court and, in my experience, uh, credited by judges and juries. So the contemporaneous note-taking is uh, really critical. And what is, if someone's in a bad position, they really feel like they're being harassed, they feel like they might be getting fired soon, is is resigning a consideration? <laughs> I, I, can I just say No. Never do that. I would rather have an employee come in and say that they were caught urinating in their supervisor's cup. <laughs> Maybe we could do something with that, but not if you resigned. I mean, so the, the overwhelming majority of situations with a resignation is there's very little we can do because we have to show that the work environment was so intolerable that, you know, a reasonable person or virtually any, any person in the community would have resigned because it was so bad. And you never want to be digging out of that hole. 
you know, you want to be saying you were wrongfully terminated, not having to justify why you resigned. Gotcha. So what if someone's in a position, they come to you and they're in this position where it's getting overwhelming and they feel like they don't have any other options. Is there anything else they can do? Well, you know, uh, in that sort of situation, we can certainly sort of parachute in with a letter to the company attorneys explaining that there's this situation going on. Um, that That's one option. You know, another thing in the uh, employee's playbook is they may be entitled to take medical leave under the either the Family Medical Leave Act or the Americans with Disabilities Act. And, you know, we'll cover right, rights under those statutes in another podcast. Those are excellent sort of... Uh, mini vacations. (laughs) I mean, they're medically necessary, right? But they get you out of the situation and can help you get your head straight. Um, And then the added benefit to that is you're protected from being retaliated against for exercising your rights. Um, And so it can add an additional claim that you wouldn't wouldn't otherwise have. Perfect. Starting to build the case. All right. We've covered a lot of ground here today. Is there any last words you want to leave on? I hope this was useful for folks. And in each podcast where we're going to be doing in the future, I'm going to try to just keep it away from a lot of legal analysis and focusing more on just practical advice for uh, people who are on the wrong side of some sort of situation at work. All right. Thank you, sir. And any of the relevant information we discussed, you can find in the show notes and on the blog. Congratulations for taking an important initial step in turning the tables at work. But this podcast is just an educational resource. It does not constitute legal advice and is no substitute for consulting an employment attorney about your unique situation before making legal decisions. Visit our website for more online resources and videos at ncemploymentattorneys.com. Or better yet, call 704-247-3245 for a free initial intake interview so Van Camp and Law can evaluate your case. Until next time, keep your head up and your wits about you. 